Welcome to What CEOs Want to Know, short conversations that can make a lasting difference with your business. My name is Linda Ruland, founder of SuccessAuthorities.com and the producer of this podcast series. In this episode, Success Authority Jane Sanders describes what makes an effective leader, especially when navigating through change. I asked her, how do you lead people through the mind chatter that happens when something disrupts the status quo? Well, to answer your question of what's going on on the inside, and the depth of it varies by person, of course, but there can be a lot of inner turmoil and confusion because it's change. And most people, to some degree, fear change because in the past, change meant death. Pretty much, if you go back far enough, people are going to avoid it. They'll go into denial or just tune it out. They become oblivious to it. And when they can't avoid that anymore, then they might go into some kind of resistance. So they push back and then they maybe can work their way into accepting it and exploring it and then committing to it. But it really takes a lot of effective leadership to get through that and to lead people through that, even the leaders themselves. The challenge, I believe, is the depth of their self-awareness. The more self-aware somebody is, the more able they are to deal with change and make decisions that are more appropriate. It helps people make better decisions that are in alignment with their values, view things from a more neutral stance, so they don't take things personally. So they're not, you know, oh my God, this is what's happening. It helps them come from a place of confidence. So self-awareness is the core of it. Everything in the workplace now involves emotional intelligence, and that includes dealing with change. In your own words, can you give a quick description of emotional intelligence for those people who are, are not familiar with it or have only heard mention of it? Yeah, in my own words, it's your capacity for dealing with things in an emotionally mature way. All aspects of life and work can be impacted by emotional intelligence. That's the real short version. How can leaders facilitate or assist their team members with getting a grasp of their situation emotionally? And in connection with that question, what's in it for them if they can do it? Leaders that are self-aware themselves can be authentic. As a matter of fact, you can't be authentic if you're not self-aware because you don't know what to be authentic to. And that authenticity is also wrapped up in vulnerability, honesty, that's what creates a culture of safety and trust. And that kind of environment, safety and trust, is what allows their employees to feel safe and deal with change and restructuring or however the change is showing up in a much more positive way. So if the leader role models, hey, this is scary. We got some stuff going on here, but we can do this and here's how we're going to do it. And I've done this before, but I haven't done this. So I'm going to need your help. What do you think we should do? And involves them and gives them some ownership in the process. It can make a huge difference. And the benefits to the leader is more productivity and engagement, you know, because disengagement is just a huge issue now in companies. It goes right to the bottom line because the more engagement you have, the more productivity, the higher morale, the better teamwork, the better results, and the higher retention.
How does the process of working through change impact one's ability to be authentic? You talked about the fact that it's a little scary. So how does that affect your ability to be vulnerable and open? They can't be authentic unless they're self-aware. And the self-awareness increases confidence, permission to really step into their gifts and their talents and who they really are. Without that, you're kind of like a rudderless boat. And anytime somebody's coming from a a more empowered place, which self-awareness absolutely offers empowerment, they're going to be more effective and it'll be easier for them to deal with this type of change. Another aspect of dealing with change and actually any kind of fear, any sort of stuckness is being able to take action. And when somebody's coming from an empowered, more confident, clear place, which is what self-awareness offers, it's easier for them to make decisions and take action. According to studies, team cohesion is a real issue right now. What must happen before cohesion starts to improve? It's got to start at the top with effective, authentic, vulnerable, honest, consistent leadership, because that's what will create safety and trust. They provide that safe environment, and then the team members can be more engaged And I would also say, bring the team in and ask them, again, give them some ownership. What can we do to to gel the group more effectively? What would team cohesion look like to you? And how can we accomplish that? You know, here's a couple ideas here. This worked, this didn't work. There are all kinds of activities that can be done. I'm a spiral method facilitator, which the whole goal, the whole the the main benefit of that type of facilitation is deeper connection and trust. And so it's got to start with leadership, role model what you want, bring that, give them some ownership on what they would like in terms of cohesion. And secondly, have a very clear overall goal and vision for that team and make sure that the team's involved in that and understands it and has buy-in with it. And, giving them ownership of this helps create a sense of belonging, which is what people really need. And you can do that by highlighting commonalities and, you know, all different kinds of activities that help do that, but leadership and then bring the team in so they can help create it and own it. You said something about a spiral method. And it's a method for facilitating any type of meeting, any type of group. And it, starts with little exercises that help the group get to know each other quick and a united approach. You know, it helps give them a sense of control because that's one of the issues with change. People feel out of control. So for example, I'm a certified spiral method facilitator. The goal of that facilitation method is to create community and connection and trust within any group for any purpose of meeting, any kind of meeting. And it can be done virtually as well. It is pretty amazing. If I did, for example, a six-month program, I would go deeper and deeper into more advanced activities. But even the first hour, the first meeting, people notice a difference in the level of connection um, and community with their group. Remote teams especially struggle with cohesion. Is there any hope for a struggling team in a remote environment? Absolutely. 
again, it starts with leadership and their commitment to the cohesion of their team. It's a little more difficult remotely, but again, if you have the authentic, honest, vulnerable, consistent role model as a leader, and then bring the team in for their involvement and get their ownership and buy-in and ask for their suggestions, what would they like to see as far as strategies and tactics? Highlight areas of commonality so it's not so much us versus them. You know, they're a team, no matter where they're located, the more self-aware, the better they are able to make decisions and take things from a neutral standpoint, not interpreting things incorrectly. They know better how to interact with others. That's part of the emotional intelligence aspect of it, where self-awareness is the first step. Because if people are disengaged, which many are now, they're either not feeling part of a team or they don't want to be part of the team. But when they're put in charge or part of in charge of the solution, that can really change things. I have very clear individual goals, an overall unified goal. So they've got one umbrella thing they're shooting for that they believe in. They could even, for example, brainstorm on descriptions of their ideal teammates. You know, for them to do the best job they can, what do they need from their different team members? And then exchange those and really have a nice discussion about it. So it's absolutely possible. You know, it's just easier to adapt when you know your strengths and weaknesses and and have a clear, empowered view of who you are. And can you help with that as well? Absolutely. That's that's my thing. (laughs) And a clear, empowered view does what? It provides that confidence, a more neutral space to come from, recognition of your strengths, knowing where you get tripped up so you can be heads up and watch for that. It just kind of implements or seeds a desire to make things work. You know, and that's part of the emotional intelligence as well. You briefly touched upon getting to know one another or having some interpersonal conversation. How far would you recommend taking that beyond the work at hand? I think it's required because we're not, you know, we think we can compartmentalize our lives, but we can't. So anytime there's challenges in the personal life, somehow it's going to leak into the work life and vice versa. If we're looking for cohesion, which to have cohesion, you've got to have connection and community. For example, I earlier today, I was at a what we call a peer advisory group. It's a small group within a larger networking organization. And we share whatever's on our mind, whatever we need support with, whether it's business or personal. Takes a while to start going deeper and deeper. You know, it gives everybody permission and maybe the leader needs to role model that, but it's going to happen. So I think it's required. And I don't mean sharing problems all the time, but just having fun together. You've got to do that at the very least. Again, the commonalities, that's why it can be helpful to assign a team a budget and say, determine what charity within these 10 you want to give this money to. 
oh, they have so much fun deciding where to spend that money. You know, or what would you like to do for the holidays? Let's get some ideas here. Because we are 360 creatures and without, with only just putting our blinders on and always talking about work stuff and always only work things, it's only engaging half of us. And in many cases, less than half. The elephant in the room often is conflict. As a leader, how should I see that conflict? What can I do about it? And what can I expect if I do something or not? The C word, conflict, it's everywhere. And it's growing a lot due to the COVID aftermath or sort of aftermath. Um, People are looking out for themselves more. They're demanding more. They're on edge more. They're more triggered. Conflict is not always bad. It can flush out weak spots in any aspect of life or business. So it can be helpful. The key is handling it effectively. So if I were the leader and I could see a conflict between two team members, I would ask them to work it out and give them some skills to do that. You absolutely can learn how to deal with conflict, you know, how to handle difficult conversations, how to avoid being defensive. Approach it like a business problem. Talk it out with the other person that's involved. Have an outline to follow. Focus on what the issue is, not on personalities. Listen very carefully. Identify where disagreement exists, where agreement does exist. And then try to apply one to the other if that's possible. Prioritize the highest levels of conflict so that those can be addressed immediately, develop a plan to work on each one, have some accountability, follow through, build on, you know, rinse and repeat, build on your success. So people can learn how to do this. Don't just hope it goes away. And the sooner you address it, the better. Let's circle back to vulnerability. Do vulnerability and conflict go together or are they separate issues? Being vulnerable helps alleviate conflict because you'll be more open. Compassion is a big part, is another skill to learn as well. And understanding, listen to understand, not to prepare your defense. If there's a conflict and it's about somebody's behavior, something's going on that's driving that. So if you come from a place of understanding and try to ferret out what that is and show compassion, Oh, can help so much. Would you say that in general, people want to perform well, even under difficult circumstances, like when there is conflict? One of the human conditions is to do a good job because they want to feel good about themselves. Now, can that be disrupted? Yes. Can other agendas come into play and knock that off its track? Yes. But bottom line, I think overall, people want to do a good job and they want to be recognized for that. Those are things that leaders can enhance or inhibit. Companies underestimate the impact of effective or ineffective leadership. A lot of managers get promoted to leadership positions and they don't know how to lead. They know how to manage. Those are two different things. Middle management's caught right in the middle. They have to lead and manage, and ugh, they've got the, the toughest 
position, really. But leadership is not necessarily born. <laughs> There's a lot that can be done to um, guide and improve and support leaders to help them be more effective. Look forward to future podcasts featuring authorities on topics vital to the success of your business during these changing times. For more information and to contact us directly, visit successauthorities.com.